Hello and welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Dr. Virginia Reid and today I'm delighted to have on the program Ruth Boydell so that we can discuss end-of-life care. Welcome, Ruth. Thank you very much for having me. I guess for a lot of people it's the fact that they prefer to think that it was a really long way off and anything can happen between here and there and they don't really want to have to think about it. What would you say to that? Um, well, I, I think um, the more we think about it, the less scary it becomes because the more we're looking at our own, the possibility of our own demise, if we've got, ourselves, got our plans in place, the fears around it are, are reduced because possibly a lot of our fears are, you know, how will other people be or can I die at home or, you know, many Australians say they want to die at home but uh, actually only a very small percentage actually do these days. How did you get into end-of-life care, which is sort of taking up a fair bit of your time and energy at the moment? Well, um, I had a health scare earlier in the year. Uh, my husband thought I had a stroke, but I had something called transient global amnesia, which, um, oh, while it only lasted for four hours, it's actually set me on a new course to think about myself as a mortal being. What were you doing prior to that experience? Prior to that, I was um, a maritime teacher teaching navigation, seamanship, radio operators um, training for seafarers and I'd done that for over 25 years. So um, it was quite a switch to kind of have have my health experience and decide to retire and then um, in my explorations of my mortality, I came across a course called a death doula and a death doula is a person who is a a helper, I suppose, uh, of people who are dying and uh, looking after people in end-of-life care in all sorts of ways. Mm. Uh, I did some training in that uh, course, actually came up within days of my discovering the term and I was hooked on the idea of, and felt really called for this idea of uh, working with the ideas and thoughts around death and dying and helping others and myself and my family through whatever might come our way and we know death is coming. Mm. I suppose it's really a stage of life that a lot of people in the similar age group may be having similar thoughts. Mm. I'd never really thought about it. and um, I find that quite amazing because you've done a lot of open sea sailing and been on boats and things, haven't you? I have. I've done quite a lot of ocean sailing and and while I would say I was open to um, my spiritual self, I don't think I had really opened up to the possibility of my mortality. So it was a a real shift and... um, not long after I had my scare, my son uh, went into hospital for a craniotomy. Oh. So, you know, to actually consider my 23-year-old uh, may have it, some sort of problem. As it turned out, he, he's quite healthy. But, um, yeah, I, I really had to look at the, the possibility of death and dying. Mm. Your own mortality, yeah. And as a consequence and, of that, you studied to become a death doula 
Yes, uh, mm-hmm. I did did the um, training. Uh, there's no formal training, but there are uh, death doulas who who offer training in Australia, and I did the training with Denise Love, mm-hmm. uh, who does beautiful training. Just a woman with a, a very big heart, so she's really inspired me. And one of the things that she's inspired me around is the idea of just having conversations with people. And to that end, I've come across something called the Death Cafe. Mm. Now, that's a whole other concept. So do you know where that began and the Death Cafe? It's a bit of a movement really, isn't it? It is a movement. It's a worldwide movement. And um, it started, I think, about eight or ten years ago in the UK uh, by a man of the name John Underwood and uh, unfortunately John Underwood passed this year. He was only in his 40s but for some reason he felt compelled to start this movement called the Death Cafe and it's simply an opportunity for people to get together and have a conversation around death and dying. Right, so is it specialists in the area of death and dying? The idea of it is just for people who aren't squeamish about death, the idea of having a conversation and the death cafe itself can go in any direction. It's, it's meant to be gender-free, but it's not meant to be a grief counselling session. It's meant to be just having um, open, uh, fun, can be, conversations about death, dying, preparing for our deaths, perhaps preparing for another's death, uh, looking at ways in which we can uh, have a better death and it could be yeah, conversations about life after death. So it could, can t- take us right through from our full lives with, a, with the um, prepared our end of life plan right through to post-death and what we'd like to do or to see as our legacy in this world. Mm. A death cafe, from what I can gather, is a group of people that voluntarily get together. It's not a mandatory um, experience and it doesn't cost money. What's your experience of death cafes? They've been around now for, as you say, 10 years. They are happening in Australia, I believe. Well, um, I recently attended a, a death cafe that had about 15 people there and that was about the largest group I think you could have uh, a conversation in one circle when apparently when when the groups are larger they break them up into into smaller uh, tables of people to have uh, more direct conversation mm-hmm. anyone's welcome to come to a death cafe the facilitators are actually asked to leave any kind of professional identity aside so that they're not an seen as the expert. Uh, It's designed to open up the conversation in any direction as an open and respectful and confidential space for people to have a conversation about any aspect um, of death and dying. And of course, we've all got different perspectives and we've also got different ideas about, you know, what that might mean for me, you know, what, what I see as a good death and what my partner might see as a good death or what our parents might see as a good death, even talk about bad deaths, um, things that aren't going the way people expect or, or whatever. Mm, what they wouldn't uh, like to see happen, I guess. 
Yeah, that's right. What we don't want, what we've experienced and, mm. and perhaps don't want to see. Anyone could facilitate a desk cafe if they agree to a set of uh, very basic guidelines, which are basically to follow the process by offering a, a desk cafe in whatever town you're in um, and just invite people to come along and, and share the conversation. There's no money involved or a donation towards the tea and coffee and cake, but it's usually about two hours long and people can um, have a break at various times around that. So it's a fairly um, loose yep. arrangement, but it has a name and therefore some guidelines. You're listening to Wellbeing and my guest today is Ruth Boydell and we're discussing end of life, specifically now death cafes. So it sounds to me, Ruth, that anybody can facilitate death cafes. Is there a guideline online? Yes. Um, they need to go to death cafe, one word, D-E-A-T-H-C-A-F-E dot org. And on there and there's some guidelines. There's a guideline. Right. Yes, running your own. Um, right. It is possible that people want to run... Uh, something similar to it um, and I know there is here in the Hunter there is someone that runs something called a Dialogue Cafe um, right. because they're providing more information for people whereas the Death Cafe is is meant to be just a very open space and keeping the conversation amongst a group of people who have different ideas without, mm. um, without directing it in any way. Sounds like a wonderful formula for anything really that you want to discuss. So it's gender-free, it doesn't cost anything, but it does have very specific topics that you want to discuss. That's right. And it is up for the, the facilitator to encourage people who may be a bit shy in stepping forward to, to encourage people to, to speak, but people don't have to speak. There's no, you know, some people just want to hear information and ideas and uh, mm, hear what other people have to say. And think about That's the right. subject. It's very new for me. Right. Um, uh, but I do intend to run them on a fairly regular basis here in the Hunter. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to just run it on a monthly basis just to open up conversations and um, learn more myself about what people are thinking and wanting and uh, perhaps um, feeling about death and dying. And, yeah, we can share each other's experiences or ideas there's no real research on doulas and knowing whether if you have a doula will mean you're more likely to be successful in that pursuit either i don't think at this stage no i think it's still very much a um uh, a fledgling an, i suppose an industry a fledgling <laughs> yeah. industry of uh, yeah. support for people who are dying but th there's no doubt that people who you know have helped a parent or a friend or a partner in their end of life transition? The stories that I've heard and and understood is that it, the more you know, the more you can understand, the more you can um, make better choices or more informed choices, and go, oh gee, I, I wish I'd done that, or mm. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I'd taken a choice here or there. Being able to kind of open up uh, better opportunities. Yes, because there are things um, that the doulas 
for example, we had a doula on the other day and she was discussing the fact that she has a cold plate that enables the body to be kept in the home longer. Now, a lot of people may not be familiar with that concept and as we were saying, culturally, there was a huge difference between people and people hear of other practices that they can relate to each other as well and that broadens your perspective, really. So I guess that's the purpose of the death cafes, isn't it? Yes, just to to share those kind of ideas, to know that you you, you can uh, keep the body at home after somebody has died. You don't have to kind of send them straight off to the morgue. You can mm. actually, you know, take your time. Um, but also, e- even the idea that uh, somebody who's been given a information from their doctors that they are at the end of life and no more can be done in the medical setting, uh, for people to know that they, if they're um, in a position to, to take their loved ones home and spend the last days or weeks at home with them and that there is... Uh, palliative care available. Uh, there is hospice available for some people in certain areas. Uh, there are doulas that could help a family to um, deal with that end of life transition period. Exactly, and that I would have thought would be very helpful for people to know about. Um, but the death cafes, I guess, don't always have death doulas that they can avail themselves of. Is there an association of death doulas that people can find out about in, if there's anybody in their area? There's a fairly new, there isn't a, a formal association, but certainly um, on Facebook there's a, a group called Death Doulas Australia, which is um, many of the doulas have actually connected there, so they somebody would be able to to make contact there if they wanted to find a doula in their region in Australia. Yeah, because a lot of people I think have a great fear about dying at home in that they don't want to put that on to their loved ones and also the loved ones themselves don't really know how to manage that end of life, the physicality of it. Yes, well, I, I imagine that's you know, a challenge for families and um people to know how they can actually uh, do that. Now with the home care packages I think um, it is possible to to have care come to your homes and uh, to help with the actual physical side of being at home but I think it is also a big kind of emotional stretch for people to have someone at home mm-hmm. and to have someone you know with some sort of hand holding holding the space for the families and their beloved person who's who's uh, nearing the end of life, um, that would be a, a great help to have someone who can not only perhaps help with some practical information but also that, that spiritual working consciousness with them. Ruth, you were saying that uh, there's these home packages. I don't know what they are. Can you just describe or explain a little about those? Uh, a lot of government-approved um, providers can actually offer care in people's home, and these are registered providers. I think many of the church organisations have their home care caregivers and so on. Um, there's all sorts of companies that provide this type of thing now. Okay, so these are something that you could probably access through the medical care that you were getting for your terminal illness. That's right. Yes, right. they would be able to, to do that. 
Yep. Okay. If you look at home care assistance on the internet, there would be um, many, many of these organisations that come up, particularly, as I say, the church groups offer those as well. Right. And so the death doulas actually aren't an alternative to that. They're an assistance. That's right. They're, the doulas are providing particular care. They may be providing... Uh, practical assistance in the um, home care area. They might be providing um, just being a person who can sit with the terminal patient. So just having someone that you can uh, rely on to do, you know, vigil um, or give the family a bit of leave from from that end of life period. Uh, there's all sorts of other ways that a that a doula might work, um, helping the family with washing the body at the end or setting up the cold plate or mm. people The other things that the home of... care don't do, basically, by the sound of things. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're listening to Wellbeing and my guest today is Ruth Boydell and we're discussing death cafes. Do you find that the conversations that occur during the death cafes are helpful from the viewpoint of people exploring their own fears? Well, it seemed to me that uh, the first cafe that I went to, there was a a lot more um, expression of people's grief and grievings of their own experience of death. And when you think about it, we've all, probably as adults, we've all had a a death in our families. I think there'd be very few of us that that don't have that experience. And it just seemed to me that that particular group um, did... um, raise that issue and it was a theme throughout the cafe um, and I think this time it's in my cafe that we ran um, the conversation kind of jumped around a bit more it was more about pre-planning um, what kind of deaths we'd like for ourselves um, and the conversation kind of went in in all sorts of dynamic and passionate ways about what we'd like to see I think or you know, people wanting the list. What what do I have to do? Yes, yes, um, I remember. So one. people wanting information. Yes, because there is a bit online about you know healthcare directives, end of life directives, that sort of. Um, so obviously there are a lot of people seeking uh, advice on how they can make their wishes known in a formal sense. That's right. There's there's probably three the three main areas of things that people would need to look at would be. Um, their health choices, what they'd like, how they'd like their health supported near the end of their lives, um, how they'd like their legal choices dealt with. Um, and I'm not a legal person, but I certainly um, would encourage people to get their wills done, their enduring guardianship, which is about deciding who is going to make those decisions for you if you become incapable of making your health decisions and uh, power of attorney. So they're the three areas of the legal areas that preferably would be done through your solicitor or through legal aid or through um, a legal service. Newcastle has a free legal centre at the university. That's always good to know. And planning health choices, make sure your doctor, your GP and your family know what your health choices are so that it makes it easier if you're unable to make your own decisions uh, or verbalise your own decisions, that your family and your doctor knows 
what your wishes would be. And then the last, third part of that list is uh, funeral choices and you know whether you want burial or cremation or, in fact, donation of your body and details around that about who you need to notify and whether you want you know you to be buried in a certain buried or your ashes um, sent to a particular place there's lots of discussions just to be had in those three areas yes right so it's a fairly formal sort of process but it can also be an informal one where people it sounds like you were describing uh, one particular experience of the cafes as a bit of a debrief because we don't tend to do that the weeks and months after this facilitates that conversation which is probably a pretty good conversation to have because it's something that you don't get an opportunity to discuss openly under normal in inverted commas circumstances Mm, that's for sure and um and i know some of the research says that after someone's died um, the family, the people involved actually need to do a big debrief. They actually need to say things over and over again to actually process it. And not many of us are very good at listening to that repetition of that need to debrief. That's another kind of aspect of the grieving process, just to, to hear things stated again, because that's how we actually internalise it and process it by saying the words about, um, you know, our father's death or... Yeah, our beloved's passing. Mm. It helps with acceptance, yeah. But just in general, I would imagine to have a safe place in which you can discuss your true feelings about an experience. Yeah, Mm. one of the Facebook comments that I read was somebody said, I don't fear death, just pain. You know, so Mm. people identify pain as their, their biggest fear around death. But, you know, I think our society can deal with pain. We know how to to work with that to some extent. It makes me think, you know, perhaps there are other things besides pain that people fear about death. Right. And this, these cafes bring that up and deal with it so that people can have a more peaceful, hopefully, death. Just discussing it, hopefully, will create some conversation and the knowledge that the Death Cafe formula is there on the web and can be accessed by anybody and can be therefore facilitated by anybody, I would think would be helpful for people. So thank you very much for your time and for coming on to speak to us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I've been speaking with Ruth Boydell about end-of-life care. I'm Dr Virginia Reed, and all of us here at Wellbeing wish you well.